not everything always seems what it appears at first look. And lots of things mean a lot more than they seem on the face of it. I don't know whether you've been to, um, could be any birthday party, but certainly a child's birthday party recently. I know a number of you have children, so you probably have. Um, I went to my first child's birthday party as an adult um, a few years ago, um, and uh, it was quite an experience. And um, there's, you think, what on earth is going on sometimes? And certainly... Um, if you were, uh, just imagine, if you were an alien that had come down to Earth and you came to a child's birthday party, what on Earth would you think? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure a number of you probably think exactly the same when you go to a child's birthday party. However, stick with me. But imagine... So imagine this, you're, you're welcoming people at the door and then this, this alien with um, sort of five eyes and, and pink and uh, spotty green um, comes to the door and, and you're a bit shocked, but they say, can we come in? And, and it speaks English, which is fantastic. And it, you, invi- you invite it in and it just sits in the corner and you realize actually it just wants to sort of observe and it's, it's quite happy. But then it sort of sidles up to you because you're the only person you, it's talked to. And it says, so what's going on? And you think, well, it's a birthday celebration. They go, what's that? And you go, well, it's, it's celebrating that somebody was born, say, 10 years ago. And you, they say, well, why? Why? Why, 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 why a year? Why, why, why celebrate that they're, they're, they're alive? They're, aren't they, doesn't the fact they're alive anyway mean something? You could go on. But, you, I mean, why streamers and... and, and why party hats? I mean, my goodness, why party hats? I mean, crackers, you know, why, why the, do you make sort of bangs that sound like gunfire? Why do, you, why do you set fire to the top of a perfectly good cake? You know, why, and then attack it violently with a knife. Why, do you, why, do, why does one person stand in the middle and they get sort of bombarded with, with square boxes? Why? And I think what you'd want, we'd want to say to, to our friendly alien is the fact that what we're trying to, it's, what we're doing signifies something else. It's signifying that we care for this person, that we're, we're glad that they were born, and we want to say, give thanks for that, and also to wish them all the very best in their life, and to celebrate in the present, to, to celebrate with them right now. The meal and all the activity around it says so much more than we would otherwise know on the surface. It speaks of so much more. And it's the same when it comes to the Lord's Supper. In, in many ways, we've just all queued up in a line and um, eaten a bit of bread and, and wine or been prayed for. That's, that's it. But what it means is so much more. And that's what we want to look at today. And we're looking at this journey through Lent to realize, to, to sort of start looking at Jesus' journey to the cross now before we get to Holy Week so that we, we're, our minds are prepared.
If you could turn in to Luke 22, and that's page 1057. And we're going to read about the Lord's Supper, and I'm going to try and say a few words to help us think on what it might mean for us. So page 1057, starting at verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? they asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room? Where am I eat the Passover with my friend, disciples? He will show you a large upper room, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who's going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. Also a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. Who is greater, the one that is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who's at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Amen. Amen. There is so much more than meets the eye here. And I'm going to just help us look at this meal, this celebration, um, in a way that we might see um, that birthday party or a meal that we might have in our own houses. And the the, sort of the progress of the passage, starting in the... um, at the first part of the Last Supper, it's almost like a, there's the preparation. There's the plans of the preparation. And then there's this aspect of anticipation. And then they get to the celebration. And then there's a bit of comment on what it means for the participation. So 
Preparation, anticipation, celebration, and participation. So firstly, the preparation. If you go back to verse 7, Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations to eat the Passover. I love the way that he tells them to go before he tells them where they're going to go. And sometimes I think we probably would find that the same um, in our life with God. But like us, when we have a party, we prepare. We want to get everything ready. We um, go out, we plan the menu, we uh, get the food, get the drink, clean the house, get some flowers, lay the table. That preparation is all part of, that, of a celebration if we, we are celebrating something or somebody. And that's if you're the host. But even if you're not the host, if you're just somebody attending... You want to get ready. You, you put on your glad rags and uh, you know, make, make yourself look, look good and, um, before you go to the party and before you go and be with, um, be with the host or to celebrate. Um, I just had to go to a, a 40th birthday party. That's the era I've got to. And um, uh, you had to go as the, the, who you wanted to be when you, when you, well, who you wanted to be when you grew up. Um, so um, I went as a sailor um, which is uh, what I always wanted to be. Um, I suppose I, in some ways I did, I, I did become one, but, um, so I took my yachting uniform. But you, have to, you think about what you're going to wear and where, when you're going, and you prepare. And in this passage, Jesus was prepared. He was preparing them for what was happening. He was prepared. He knew what was happening in this week. He knew where he was going. And even when the disciples didn't know where they were going and where they were going to Um, take the Passover. Jesus had planned it before. We don't know why Jesus didn't tell them or why why Jesus hadn't sent them off to to do it themselves. It could be that he didn't want Judas to know because he he wanted this this supper, this this celebration with his friends to be uninterrupted. Or it could be that he just knew he'd do a better job of it. I don't know. But he, he knew what was happening and he planned. And I love the fact that they say go and see um, you'll see a man carrying a jug of water, and then you will follow him. And you think, that's a bit strange. But it was in, in those, those days, uh, carrying water was only a woman's work. So it was extraordinary that a man would be, be carrying the water jug. So he'd be either a, a slave or, or a woman would be carrying a water jug. And so they would have known which one to follow. And then they, fo- they, they followed him. And then, then when he went into a house, then they were to ask. But Jesus had planned it all. But as we come, if we think about Holy Communion and when we remember the Lord's Supper and the Last Supper, we need to prepare ourselves. When we come, we're not just to come unprepared. We're we're actually called to prepare our hearts. That's why we sing songs of worship connecting with God. That's why we pray. That's why we confess to prepare our hearts. Then there's anticipation. If we go verse 14 to 18. When the hour came. And um, I don't know where, if you've run a party uh, recently, but there's that moment where you've done all the preparation, everything, you've got everything ready, and there's that anticipation. What's going to happen? What's it going to be like? And um, certainly if, uh, seeing children uh, in, in that state, it's, it's, it's feverish. And that, that anticipation. And 
it be feverish of, of anticipation either because we know what's going to happen and we're really excited about that or we don't know what's going to happen. I would say that for this meal, for the, the disciples, they, were, they knew what was going to happen. This was the Passover meal. They had, they had every year of their lives, they had, had done this meal together with their families and their friends and they knew what was happening. And it had been a strange week. They had been... They'd been in Jerusalem. Jesus had done some and said some extreme things. And he kept on talking about the fact that he was going to die and he was going to suffer. And they, and they must have been so upset because I bet you they were waiting for something normal in this strange week. And celebrating the Passover, it was a Passover meal. They were remembering that God rescued them, the people of God, that God rescued them out of Egypt that he, the, the angel passed over the Israelites because they daubed the blood of a lamb on, on their doorpost, that they had been saved from the last and the worst of the plague, and that they had, been, they had been freed from slavery in Egypt, and they had gone through the Red Sea and been saved from Pharaoh's army who chased after them. And they were... There were certain things that they had to do. There was always going to lamb. There were bitter herbs that they had to eat, which reminded them of the bitterness of their suffering. There was salt water to remember the time in the desert. There was wine to celebrate God's fruit and goodness. And then there was unleavened bread, bread that hadn't risen because they didn't have any yeast when they left Egypt. So these, the disciples knew what was happening, and they knew that it was a time to remember what God had done. But then Jesus goes off script. And he starts saying some strange things again. He said, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And you can imagine them going, no, this is Passover. Why are you talking about this kingdom of God stuff again? But he is changing their anticipation. He, when Jesus is in a room and when we're there with him, they realize that they can't, it won't always stay on script, that Jesus has something more for them. And in this, we're called to be involved in this meal. And when it comes to communion, we are all called to be involved. We're called to have anticipation for what God is going to do. The Jew, in Passover meal, they talked about it as when we were saved out of Egypt. The Jews would always say that. When we were saved, even though it was tens of, and, and twenty generations before them. And when we come to Holy Communion, we can almost say, remember that it's when we, we were there with Jesus. It's like we were there. It's that anticipation of remembering what's happened. But also the anticipation that, that God may suddenly go off script. He might say something to us that would make us think a different way, to move us on in a different way. And that's, the, I think, the challenge for me when, if I'm leading, that, that I, I don't just go through the motions, that I'm anticipating God speaking to each one of us in a new way, in a fresh way. God calls us to be involved and to be anticipating what's to come. Then there's the celebration. Verse 19, and the words that we know so well. And unlike 
the party that we're thinking about for, for ourselves, the main part is the celebration. That, we, that when we come, when we say come to a birthday party, we're saying, say, happy birthday, remembering that time in the past when they were born. We say, we remember the, we um, say congratulations, celebrating the joy of the day and the present. And we say many happy returns, hoping for the future that they will have many other good things to come. And it's the same in this passage that Jesus um, gave them. He was celebrating a Passover meal, so he was remembering the fact that all that God had done in the past, but he was also saying, this is my body, this is my blood, right here, right now, right in the present. But he also kept on talking, he said, remember the future. And uh, later on he said, I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred on one, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. He's calling us to remember, and calling the disciples, but calling us to remember the future of what's to come. That it's not just where we eat a meal now, remembering him, but also that he's saying, there's a time when I'm coming back. When you eat it, you're remembering not only what I've done in the past, that I'm here with you by my Holy Spirit now, but what I'm going to do in the future. And that is worth celebrating. Those are three amazing things to remember. And in a way, we call it the Last Supper because it was Jesus' Last Supper on earth. But in a way, it was the First Supper, if you think about it. It's the, it was the first Lord's Supper. That was the first of many times that many people all around the world remember Jesus and call into the present with tangible things, with bread and wine, that G, what Jesus did for us. I think the extraordinary thing about communion is that Jesus didn't just give us a symbol, though we remember the cross, He didn't just give us a maxim or axioms to to remember him or a certain philosophy, but he gave us an action, a, a meal, something that we engage in to remember him, something that we physically take part in, the fact we move around, that all of us are involved. It doesn't matter whether we're hosting, whether we're involved. We are all involved in the party. We're all called to celebrate. Preparation, anticipation, and celebration. But for all of us, we're called the participation. We are all called to participate. And I think Luke puts this passage about the disciples arguing about who's greatest. Almost, it makes me think of my heart and my attitudes and our heart and our attitude to how we should be when we come to communion. And if we go to verse... um, 21 onwards. And he starts talking about um, that somebody's going to betray him. And I think it's incredible that it shows that that Judas was there. He still invited Judas, who who was going to betray him. He knew that Judas was going to betray him, into that meal. He didn't kick him out beforehand. And for each of us, we can participate, even if we know that we haven't been right with God, that he calls us to come and be right with him. Because, you know, if, if, like at our parties, we want to have people there that are happy to be there. 
We want people to be there with, a, with an open heart. If people are there are only there for, the, for what they get out for themselves, then we, it's not going to be a fun party. Or are people only there just to, to look cool or, or not? I don't know. Or if they're looking glum and like they've had a brick for breakfast, then, then you don't really want them at, at your party if you're celebrating. But actually, they're co- when, when Jesus was there, he was saying, no, don't think. It's not about who's going to be the greatest, which they were arguing about. He said, it's about you need to come with the attitude of the youngest. And if I think about y- the youngest, it's that sense of wonder, of innocence, and excitement. And I think that's what we are called to have as well. And he then chided them and said, if you're going to be a ruler, if you're going to be the one in charge or the one with status, then you need to come as one who serves. And that's when we come together. That's what we're called to do. We're not called to be at different levels. We're called, all called to participate, to be involved. And know that actually... We're all called to be servants, to serve and to look after one another. So preparation, anticipation, and then celebration and participation. We're all called to be involved in the preparation, called to be involved in the anticipation, all called to be part of the celebration and all called that our participation is of the right heart and right attitude.